You're listening to the Pursue God Men's Podcast, the official channel for biblical manhood at PursueGod.org. Find resources to talk about it with your family, men's group, or mentor at PursueGod.org forward slash men. Hey, men and boys, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're in week three of our Breakthrough Disciplines series. John, last time we talked about praying for breakthrough, and today we're going to talk about a kind of a related spiritual discipline, but it's one that very, I would say very few men have ever exercised, even probably women. We're going to talk today about fasting for breakthrough. And before our listeners say, okay, I'm done. I don't, I'm not going to listen to this one. I, we just, I want to just temper our listeners and say, guys, Jesus has an expectation that if you're a follower of Jesus, that you will fast. We're going to talk all about it. We're going to talk about the why, the how, the what. Um, but but John, this isn't just, I think some of our listeners might think this is for super Christians or pastors. It really is. And it's not something that, as you said, only the spiritual elite, maybe that's what we would describe it as, do. Uh, it's not something that only legalistic people do. I've, I've had people accuse me of being legalistic when I've talked about trying to encourage folks to have fasting as, as a regular part of their journey with Jesus. It's really something that every believer should incorporate into their disciplines. You know, we're in this series on spiritual disciplines, and it's something I think will bless you. So one of the reasons I really hope our listeners will take to heart what we're talking about today is I want you to receive the blessings that come from fasting. And we're going to share a couple of verses with you as we kick this off that, that I believe provide evidence that Jesus expects his followers to fast. Now, we do want to be careful about being legalistic. I don't think there's anywhere in the Bible that says you have to fast once a week or you have to fast once a month, or when you do fast, you have to fast for a minimum of 48 hours. So I can see how fasting could become legalistic, but it doesn't have to be. And I'll just say personally, I never really incorporated fasting on a kind of a regular rhythmic basis until about two and a half, three years ago. And it's had a big impact in my walk with Jesus. Yeah, I think it might be good here up front before we even get to any of the scripture to talk a little bit about some details. Now, not to brag, not to appear holier than thou or anything like that, but it's this reminds me of the giving topic, that if we have a whole conversation about giving and we don't ever talk about the details, it would be easy for people to walk away and say, I'm going to give 10 bucks in the offering every month. And that's not really giving. Uh, I mean, that it is, but it's, I mean, certainly if you're, if, if that's all you have, that's giving. But for most people, uh, that's not really exercising the spiritual discipline. So let's, let's get into just before we get to the scripture, let's just talk, let's pull the curtain back on our own lives. So John, you said it's regular now for you. So how often in the last two to three years, how often do you incorporate this discipline in your life? Uh, monthly at least. So there's a, a corporate fast I do with others at our church on a particular Sunday and Monday of the month. Okay. So that's kind of a regular, you know, rhythmic fast. And but how long then, is the fast? So is it like, tell, give us the details of that. Sure, you bet. So that fast is anywhere from 24 hours up to 36 hours. It kind of depends on when I start the fast on the Sunday. We, we encourage people to, to fast at least 24 hours. And so what we do is that, and again, there are different types of fasts. This particular fast, we're saying 
no, no food, no solid food at all. So you can still drink, you know, you can still have water. Uh, some people even still have juice if they, you know, if they need a little bit, um, like if they have health issues or dietary issues where they need, you know, need sugar, things like that. So, uh, but, but no food for that 24 to 36 hours. And then we come together for an extended time of prayer at the end of the fast. We pray for about an hour together. And then typically we'll go, we'll invite people to go break the fast together. So we go have a late dinner and, and get a chance to fellowship more after the time of prayer. In addition to that, though, I would say probably oh, every three to four months, I'll have an individual fast, which is usually also 24 to 36 hours. My, my longest fast, Brian, ever was 72 hours. And I know some of our listeners are thinking, ah, that's not much. And, and when you say it, it doesn't sound like much, but I can tell you at about hour 60 and on, it felt like a lot. <laughs> um, I remember being awfully hungry and, and just finding it hard to focus. Um, but, but if I have a big decision to make, mm-hmm. if, if there are people in our congregation who've been dealing with a long-term illness, if we have, you know, potential staff changes or structural changes at our church, those are times when it'll trigger that that individual fast, you know, kind of above and beyond the one we do monthly. Yeah. So I, I w- my longest fast was also probably three days, maybe a little more than three days, but I, a couple different times in my life, it kind of in just important decision, you know, before I moved to Utah. Um, I, I did, I went away for a few days, did a fast, um, a a few years back, I did another one. I fasted like that. Some really important stuff related to the pursue God resources. I spent a few days and, you know, for me, (laughs) it's, it's so funny the the game, just so our listeners don't think we're super spiritual here. Like it plays games with your head. Doesn't it, John? It like you fat for me, the first 24 hours, isn't that bad. But once I get into the second day, that's where it's that's where it becomes a real battle. It's so interesting. It's like this this flesh, the, my flesh begins to battle with me. And you know, you, the the purpose of fasting is really to spend some time in prayer, to really focus on God, read your read your Bible, worship. Um, but for me, it's it was one of the reasons it's hard. It isn't just because of the food thing, but just because I'm so ADD that. Even just spending time away, I, I think about Jesus doing this for forty days. Like, man, it's so. Did he bring his phone with him? You know, I mean, did he? Like, I think it just modern day Christianity is. There's so many distractions in our lives. I I think that's a reason that one of the reasons this topic is more important than ever. Yeah, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because I know the next conversation we're going to have is about pacing, but I. Th- I think fasting can play a role in that. You know, fasting is something that can lead us into that discipline of pacing. Because one of the things that fasting does for me is it just helps me to take my attention and and my thoughts off of the here and now. So even on a short fast, even a 24-hour fast, those, you know, times at breakfast, times at lunch, time at dinner, where normally my thoughts would be centered around my needs my desires even. I mean, I don't need food every eight hours, right? Um, But to take those thoughts and then shift that and turn it to God and his word helps things to slow down for me. So it's important. 
Well, let's get to some te- some scripture here because I can sense that for some of our listeners, we're going to have to convince them. <laughs> and I think that's good. I don't think our listeners should just take whatever we say and believe it. I think you should make sure it's backed up with scripture. So we're going to do some of that today because it is a battle. And I think this is one of those disciplines that if it wasn't in God's word, I wouldn't do it. I mean, this is not something that I would just naturally be drawn to. Um, And so some of our listeners are like, you might have to convince me. So let's get to some of the scripture here, John. I want to start with Matthew 9, verses 14 and 15. It says, one day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, why don't your disciples fast like we do? And like the Pharisees do. And here's what Jesus said in response. He said, do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. The disciples of John the Baptist, in in my opinion, it seems like they feel like they're getting the short end of the stick. (laughs) You know, they're, they're following these rules. And so they come to Jesus and say, hey, how come, how come your disciples aren't fasting? You know, we fast, even the Pharisees fast. So why aren't your disciples fasting on a regular basis? And Jesus doesn't say you shouldn't fast. You know, Jesus doesn't say fasting is overrated. He talks about the timing. He just says, hey, now isn't the time to fast because he's with them. He, he is the groom in, in the analogy. And someday that groom is going to be taken away. And he says, when that happens, then they will fast. He doesn't say then they might fast. Or then they'll have an opportunity to fast. No, Jesus has an expectation that there will come a time when the disciples fast. So when he's no longer with them, when he's no longer pouring into them, he expects them to have times of fasting. To me, that scripture is pretty plain, that that's one of his expectations. Yeah, here's another one, Matthew 6, verses 16 to 18. Jesus said, and when you fast. So he doesn't say, and if you fast. He says, and when you fast. Don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, there it is again, but when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, and then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private, and your father who sees everything will reward you. Yeah, you mentioned the use of the word when, not if. It's there multiple times in that passage. So again, Jesus has an assumption that the fasting is part of our spiritual walk. It's something that we're going to do. And then he goes on and he gives instructions about how to do it. And we're, we're going to get into the how a little bit later in the podcast. But you know, basically, he's addressing our attitude behind it to start. Are we fasting because we're just trying to check a box because we're, you know, we're trying to get spiritual brownie points either from God or even from people around us? That, that's what was happening, right? Individuals, they wanted everyone to know that they were fasting. You know, look at me, look at how pious I am, look at how religious I am. And Jesus is saying, that, that's not how you do it. Now, there, there are going to be some times, especially if you do a corporate fast, that other people will know you're fasting. So, you know, Jesus, I don't think is saying it, it's a sin if anyone knows you're fasting, but I think it's, it's the heart behind it. You know, so don't try to make it obvious that you're fasting. Don't go out of your way to to tell people you're fasting. You know, our, our fast that we do corporately is Sunday into Monday. And, you know, Brian, as you know, our staff meetings used to be on Mondays. And so there was always one Monday a month where we would go to lunch and, and, you know, honestly, I would just try to kind of sheepishly just not order. Um, I didn't want to make it a big deal that I was fasting. 
but but if it came up, I wasn't going to lie. You know, I, I would just say, well, we're, we're in our fast right now. So I'm, I'm going to hold off. Yeah. And nobody won because now we're sitting there eating a burrito <laughs> feeling, feeling all guilty. You're sitting over there disheveled without your hair combed. No, just <laughs> yeah. And so the solution was we, we, ch- we changed our staff meetings to Tuesday. And so we just don't even want to know about it anymore. And anyone who has seen me knows that's not true. I don't have enough hair to dishevel. So, <laughs> well, one thing I would say, guys, just before we continue on, if if maybe you're still a little hesitant, if you've never really incorporated fasting into your journey, I, I would just say I, I know how you feel. Again, it was only a few years ago that I started practicing fasting on a regular basis, and it was it was when we we taught this sermon series, The Breakthrough Disciplines, God really convicted me that I, I didn't regularly fast. Not I had fasted, you know, I'd, I'd had some random fasts here and there. I had, when when my daughter with special needs was born, you know, I, I fasted for a while. I mean, there've been some times, but it's always been so hit and miss. And I just really felt like God was saying, I, I want you to incorporate something on a more regular basis. And all I will tell you guys is it has been such a blessing to me. So, you know, not only is it, I think, something that we should do to be obedient, but you will benefit from it. I mean, from a selfish standpoint, it it will bring blessing into your life. I think it's led to richer prayer times with God. You know, the the combination of the fasting and then which can lead to slowing just helps me to hear better. So we, we did our praying for breakthrough last time, and Brian and I both shared how we feel a little ADHD when we're praying. And so that that slowing and that quiet has really helped me to hear better when I pray. And that's also been a great reminder of my dependence on God. And here's another added benefit. Maybe there's another area in your life where you just feel like you lack self-control. Maybe it's your temper. Uh, maybe it's gluttony. You know, I mean, we're not, we're not talking about fasting for weight loss, but maybe gluttony is an issue for you. Fasting is a way to help develop self-control. Right, it it gives you it gives you something you have to be disciplined in. It's something you don't really enjoy doing, as far as the giving up the food part. You know, you enjoy the relationship with God part. So I think it's a great way to develop that fruit of the spirit. Yeah, think about it in in our culture, and and this is true for old people, just as it's true for young people. But I mean, I think about young people, but it's really all of us. Like we live in a culture where we get what we want when we want it. We never deny ourselves. Any parent listening knows that, that your kids just have this sense of entitlement, that they get what they want when they want it. I mean, it's just a microwave culture that we live in. So fasting is the opposite of that. It's saying, I I have access to food. I mean, this hasn't been true throughout history. Human beings have not always had access to food like we do. (laughs) I mean, really very, I mean, it's a very rare thing in in the history of humanity, certainly not even just to have access like we do, but to have the variety that we have because of our refrigerators. I think it's, it's even just that idea will bring this into perspective that what Jesus and his disciples had access to was a fraction of what we have access to. And, you know, in, in Moses's day, it was even less than that. And so it's so I think it's so good for maybe in your small groups or if you're talking about this with a mentor to really process that and just think about that for a second of how blessed we are in America today. And so that's why I think one of the reasons that this this discipline is lost is because 
we don't even think about it. It's almost like we feel like we have a right to the food that we want when we want it. You know, you're driving down the road and you've got, you get a hankering and you pull over and you, you, it, within two minutes, you're eating a hamburger or, or drinking a Coke or whatever. It's, it's crazy to think about how instantaneously we have access to food. And what we're saying in this episode is deny yourself. That is a radical thought for so many, so many Americans. And yet that's what Jesus said, right? Jesus said that when we're going to be his disciple, we need to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. So the practice of of learning how to deny ourselves is it's part of the Christian walk. It's part of being a follower of Jesus. Okay, so let's talk about the why. Here, here's why. Here's why we do fasting. And it, we're going to tie it to the to the theme of this series, you know, the the breakthrough disciplines theme. Fasting can unlock breakthroughs in the spiritual realm that will never happen in any other way. We'll get to the scripture here in Mark chapter 9, verses 17 and 18. It says, one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said to Jesus, teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. And then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Okay, so Jesus wasn't there at the time. This this dad is coming, hoping to see Jesus, but he but he gets the B team instead, and they couldn't cast out the demons. What's going on here? Yeah, and Jesus is up on the mount for the transfiguration at the time this is happening. He comes off the mountain. There's a big argument between the religious leaders and the disciples, and the disciples couldn't cast out this evil spirit, even though. If you back up a couple of chapters, Jesus had already given them authority to cast out evil spirits. Now, there could have been multiple reasons that the disciples weren't able to deliver this boy. Um, we know from the the larger context of the text that the religious leaders were there, they were present. So maybe that added pressure of the religious leaders being there caused the disciples to doubt. Maybe it caused them to question if Jesus had really given them the authority to do it, or maybe it was kind of the other end. Maybe their pride got in the way. Maybe they thought, hey, this is our chance to show these religious leaders that we have the right rabbi, like we're the ones who have the power, not them. So maybe they made up more about themselves than they did about helping the young boy. We do know that Jesus later on in the passage, the disciples are with him and they say, hey, why couldn't we cast him out? And Jesus responds that this kind of evil spirit can only be cast out by prayer and fasting. Now, I think this is important, though, Brian, and, and certainly correct me if you feel I'm off on this, but it, it's not like fasting is some kind of magical charm that forces demons to flee or, or causes God to be obligated to answer the way we want him to answer. But, but think about what prayer and fasting do. Both prayer and fasting force us to recognize our dependence on God. You know, when I fast, it's a reminder to me that that the very food I eat, I wouldn't have without God. The very air I breathe, I wouldn't have without God. And so they cause us to turn our attention from the things of this world to spiritual things. And they cause us really to cry out to God, say, God, you know, we need you to do God-sized things here. <laughs> you know, in this particular case, God, we need you to drive this demon out of this boy because we can't do it on our own. And I know for me personally that shifting my attention away from the things of the world, it, it does cause me to sense God's leading more clearly. Uh, another very 
personal story for me is when I was asked to consider being in the role that I currently hold at our church. And I remember just getting away for about a day and a half. I, I went up in the mountains. I had a little tent and I had water to drink. I didn't take any food with me. And I just spent you know about 36 hours just in, in prayer and in the word. I, I took some hikes, but I was I was just very intentional about putting myself in situations that would free me from distraction. And again, it wasn't a really long fast by you know a lot of standards. 36 hours isn't that long, but just being intentional about being away from the noise. And, and when I would start to feel hungry, you know, acknowledge that before God, acknowledge that he's my provider, even thanking him that this isn't something I feel on a regular basis. I mean, think about that for our American listeners, right? Think of how many people around the world don't get to choose to fast even today. I mean, there's still parts of the world where people are hungry every day. The only time I feel hungry is, you know, if I'm just too busy to stop and eat or if I'm choosing to feel that way. Um, so it's just a great way for me to be thankful uh, for God's provision in my life, that he gives me every good thing. And then maybe the last thing that's related to that is, you know, when I am fasting and I think about how much I want food, because even for a short fast, I just like food. I mean, I, I love food. So <laughs> when I get into it, you know, towards the end of that fast, I really want food. But what it forces me to do is say, okay, but what do I want more? Like what I want more is wisdom and understanding. What I want more is to hear God's voice. What I want more is to become more like Jesus. And so anyway, that that was a very powerful time for me. And I, I felt a very clear sense of God's calling coming out of those 36 hours. Yeah, and that's what was going on in Acts 13 in verse 2, where it says, one day as these men's as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I've called them. And so after even more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So, you know, Jesus fasted for 40 days before he started his ministry here. The church is fasting, the leadership team here, whoever these guys are in Acts 13, they're they're fasting and praying, and, and the Holy Spirit reveals something missional to them that's important. So I think what you've experienced lines up with what is going on in Acts 13. It's what I've experienced entering into ministry. It's something I've told my son. He's graduating college this month or next month, and I said, this is a good time for you to just really, actually a couple couple months ago, I said, you should go away and spend some time fasting and praying about the next season in your life. And so for some folks, that's that's a big a big part of maybe what you're missing when you're trying to discern the will of God in your life. Maybe if you've never tried it before, you should say, you know, let's fast. And it's a biblical thing to do. Yeah, we're not saying that the Holy Spirit only speaks when we're fasting, obviously. You know, that's not the case. But it certainly seems to me, Brian, when you look throughout the pages of Scripture and then even in our own lives, that, that there's something about fasting that invites the Holy Spirit to speak and give guidance. Or, or maybe, again, maybe it's not so much it invites the Holy Spirit to speak, but that we are just more attentive to His voice because we've eliminated some of the distractions. Okay, let's talk a little bit, John, about the how. So what, again, some people are listening saying, I still don't fully understand exactly what we're talking about here. What counts as a fast? What, you know, John, you mentioned bringing water up with you. Uh, we read in in Matthew four, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for forty days and forty nights. He fasted and became hungry. It didn't say he became thirsty. So the implication is 
maybe he drank water, but he didn't he didn't eat food. So what what exactly is fasting? Let's get into sort of the nuts and bolts of it. Well, let's start by saying fasting can be different things, but in its most basic definition, you are voluntary voluntarily, excuse me, depriving yourself of food or of food and drink. So some fasts are, you know, in fact, Moses, when he was on the mountain on Mount Sinai, he went 40 days without food and water. Now, obviously he had to have some supernatural sustenance to, to be able to do that. I mean, typically a human being can't go 40 days without water, but that's what Moses did on the mountain when he was with God. But so fasting is typically going without food or going without food and drink for a particular amount of time. Now, that's not the only type of fasting, but it, it's the most common, and I would say it's the one that the Bible is is talking about when the Bible uses the word fasting for the most part. Um, now, my fasts are typically liquid only, so in other words, I don't usually give up drink when I'm fasting. I've never really tried an extended time of going without food and and drink, but I will mix it up, so I'll just... One of my hardest types of fast for me is typically, I don't do this every year, but I've done it multiple years, I will go without soda for Lent. Now, if some of you are like, yeah, big deal, I mean, you don't know me very well. <laughs> Brian can attest that I have a 32-ounce soda at pretty much every staff meeting every Tuesday morning. I just, mm -hmm. I'm, I am a Dr. Pepper fanatic. Uh, so I'm not fasting in the normal sense of the word when I do that because I'm still eating but I'm giving up something that I really like. And, and I'm doing that for that 40-day period. And I can assure you, I think about it multiple times. And one of the reasons I like to do it for Lent is because this, I mean, I hate to even call it a sacrifice. I really do. But this, this tiny sacrifice helps me to really think about the, the mind-blowing sacrifice that Jesus made for me. So maybe for some of our listeners, it's not soda. Maybe it's, it would be a coffee fast. You know, maybe you maybe you have to have coffee every morning. You, you know, you drink it every single day. Consider going without coffee for a week. You know, consider mm. giving that up. Maybe it's chocolate, right? I mean, or, uh, sweets, donuts. I, I don't know what it is, but but it can be giving up a type of food. You know, not just giving up food completely. Yeah, when I was in high school, my my older brother kind of fell away from the Lord, and my s sister and I both decided that we were going to we were going to give up something and i don't i don't even know if this is again I, some of our listeners i don't I, I hesitate to even share this but it's an example of what you're talking about john the, i gave up co you know soda carbonated beverages and my sister gave up chocolate and we did it we did it with the goal of you know, just reminding, letting those two things remind ourselves that our brother was was far from the Lord, and to pray for him, um, and and we we made a commitment that we wouldn't that we wouldn't stop this fast until he came back to the Lord. Well, he came back to the Lord twenty two years later. <laughs> twenty two years later, we had no idea what commitment we were making at the time, <laughs> and. And we, but we did. We stuck to that commitment for all those years. And I remember when, when, when our brother kind of came back to the Lord and got, um, he actually even got baptized. We, my sister and I got together, and nobody even knew. He didn't know we were doing this. I think he might know now, but he didn't know at the time that we were doing this. And again, I, you know, I don't know. Does that count? I, 
I don't know if it counts. Uh, to me, all it is is you know it's it's about it's about showing your dependence on God. It's about I mean, it could be legalistic. I think people could get legalistic about it. In fact, my wife for years would say, quit being legalistic, have a Coke. You're eating Mexican food. Like, you got to have a Coke. And I said, nope. We made a commitment. And it was just one more reminder to keep praying for my brother. And and so some people might say, wow, that's not a biblical fast. That's fine. Okay. Well, then whatever we called it, it was it was a commitment that I made to God and to, and really for the sake of my brother and and it enriched my life to do that. I think for some people listening, you know, maybe maybe you might need to do a social media fast. Maybe for some people, you, your young people especially, man, I encourage young people. Again, you're not going to find this in the Bible anywhere. There wasn't social media in the Bible. But maybe young people say, you make it as a youth group or with your mentor, say, let's make a commitment you know, to put our phones on airplane mode for 24 hours or, or to, or to put our phones away for 24 hours and, you know, to text everybody and let everybody know, or to, or to get off of Twitter and Instagram and whatever else for, for the week. Like you, who knows the spiritual blessing that will come to your life. If you give something up, not just for the sake of giving the thing up. I think John, the, the probably the most important thing is and then really say, God, I want to, the one of the reasons I'm doing this is because I want to spend some more time just really focused on you, learning dependence on you. I think that's a really important key because there are times, even though I'm incorporating fasting on a more regular basis, there are times when I don't fill in those those spaces with more prayer, but I fill them in with just other stuff I have to do. And those fasts are never as rich. So again, if if the only reason I'm not eating is just say I didn't eat for 24 hours, I'm probably not going to get a lot of blessing out of that. You know, I'm, I'm probably not going to sense God's voice or his presence in a more powerful way. But if in those times when I would normally eat, when I would normally be, you know, thinking about food or when I'd normally be on YouTube or on Instagram, if it's a social media fast, like you mentioned or whatever, if instead I take that time and really commit it to the Lord and and get into his word, or I'm spending that time in prayer, that's where the blessing happens. You know, the blessing isn't just going without food. The blessing is the increased time communicating with Almighty God. Hmm. And some of these things that we've mentioned as you said, Brian, I, I don't even know if they count as a fast, but I, again, I think God looks at our heart. I, I think God recognizes when we want to take something that potentially could even be an idol in our life and say, hey, I don't, I don't want social media to be more important to me than my relationship with God. I don't want, you know, even my family, I, I, all these things that are good things in and of themselves are not necessarily bad, but anytime we put them on a higher priority level than God, I mean, that's idolatry. That's not good. And so as we're going through these different things, I would just maybe challenge our listeners, if there's something that we said that kind of struck a nerve or your knee-jerk reaction was like, oh, there's no way I'd give that up, that might be the very thing you should consider fasting from, because that may be something that you've elevated to an unhealthy level. Yeah, I remember one of the guys I was mentoring years ago, his daughter came to him and said, I think you should fast from drinking alcohol. And, you know, so having a beer is not sinful, but 
you know, his, his daughter challenged him to do it. He came to me and said, do you, what do you think? I said, yeah, why not? And you, I could tell that he was struggling so much giving that up. And the more we talked about it, the more firm I got. I said, dude, you need to give that up. <laughs> I don't, I, you know, he kept saying, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm like, a non-alcoholic doesn't need to keep trying to convince his friends that he's not an alcoholic. And I think that he even realized in the process that maybe he did he what he did have kind of a dependency on alcohol, and so I just said, "Give it up, give it up, and let your daughter know you're giving it up. Let her hold you accountable to that and he did he did for months he gave that up, and she was so proud of him. It was really neat to see what he learned in that, so I'm with you, John. you know some of you listening to this might be. Again, we put our mind can play games in this in this whole area. You can say, "Well, that's not really a fast." Not, okay, fine, call it something else. Then. But if something controls you, you know, Paul says this: "Don't let nothing will be my master. Don't let something be your master. Whether it's whether it's alcohol, whether it's um, whether it's coffee. You know, Tracy and I we did a coffee fast every once a month on Mondays. Oh my gosh." It showed me how dependent I was. And I'm, I'm a one cup a day kind of a guy. I didn't think I was dependent. My headaches it told a different story. I mean, by the end of the day or by midday, I had the worst headaches. And I realized, wow, I've developed a dependency on this. And I had no idea. But John, there's one more, there's one more, I think, fast that's mentioned in the Bible that, are, okay, the young people need to need to skip this section, but we're talking to husbands and wives because 1 Corinthians 7 talks about a f- fasting from sexual relations with your spouse. And if you don't believe me, I'm going to read it to you. It says, do not deprive each other of sexual relations. Okay, husbands, you should definitely share that one with your wives, but, but they're going to share the rest of it with you. It says, unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. So that's a that sounds to me like a fast. But it, he says, afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So, so John, what's going on here and, and how might a spouse weaponize this? <laughs> well, first off, we just lost the remaining half of the viewers we had on. Uh, <laughs> so for the three of you who are still with us after that, um, I, now look, Paul's not saying that's a requirement. He doesn't say that, you know, you have to refrain from sexual intimacy with your spouse. Yeah. Um and then come back together. But he's just saying that it is permissible. He's saying it's allowed, right? So if you and your and your spouse just maybe you've got something in your marriage that's really difficult. Maybe, maybe you have a wayward child that you've been praying for and you've been fasting for, you know, a food fast. Hey, this may be something to try. Again, for a limited time, it's not something that should go on indefinite. And it's something that there should be mutual consent for. So this isn't something where one spouse gets to say, hey, guess what God told me? <laughs> God told me we're not going to be intimate for a month, and you need to use that time to pray. That's not that's not what Paul's talking about. Yeah, some of our listeners are like, dude, I've been doing a 40-day fast. I've done like <laughs> 10 40-day fasts in a row. <laughs> yeah, but I, I do think it's interesting, John, that this, it, it, there's so much, there's so much, there's so many clues to a healthy sexual relationship in that, like that you do. It should be for a time. Don't let the enemy have a foothold in this area of your life. So, I mean, that's maybe for a whole different, a different podcast about 
biblical sexual intimacy, but it is interesting that Paul is saying, yeah, and I liked, I liked your examples even, John, that maybe husband and wife, it is time to say, you know, it's Friday night. How about we pray tonight? How about we, I mean, husbands, what would that be like for you to say, let's look at this passage together. And we've, we haven't really prioritized praying for our kids or this one kid who's wayward or whatever. Man, what a, what a message you would be sending to your wife to show your spiritual leadership in that particular area. So, I mean, talk about this in your men's groups or with your mentor, man, this could be, this could be even just that little passage right there could be life-changing for your marriage. Yeah. For most of us as men, if we pursued prayer with our wives, with the same uh, gusto and intentionality Mm, that we pursued intimacy with them, it will have an impact on your marriage. I guarantee you. Yeah. All right. One last thing uh, before we move on from this is, is it's, you know, I, I think it's important for our listeners to start small and build up, right? So if you're listening to this, you're saying, oh, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try these fasts. It's easy to bite off more than you can chew. Then you feel really bad about it. I wouldn't encourage you to do a Moses fast going 40 days, you know, without food and water, or even a Jesus fast going 40 days without food. Um, start small, kind of like giving, start small. It's a discipline. Grow in the discipline of of fasting, but remember that it should be. It's the goal is to focus on God. The goal the goal is to really, like we said, to learn dependence on God by giving this thing up that you feel like is a good thing and that you have a right to. So that's that's the how. So we've covered the why. We've covered the how, and let's just spend a little more time covering the what that. That faith, that fasting, remember, is is a is a faith building exercise, and I I think it's important, John, for us to tell our listeners that it is not about obligating God to listen to you. It's that's the completely wrong attitude to have is to fast for two or three days, and then to say, okay, God, you owe me this now because I fasted. Kind of like that. This con- this comes out only through prayer and fasting. That's not what we're talking about here. Yeah, we really are talking about the opposite of that, that as we spend more time with God, you know, we develop a deeper trust. And because we trust Him, we trust His plans, we trust His goodness, we trust His character, then we can release control to Him. So, you know, I I think of, yeah, I just think of times in my life where I've gone into a time of fasting and prayer with anxiety, feeling pressure to make a decision. And coming out of that, you still got to make the decision. So, I mean, there's still, there's a heaviness, I guess, maybe that I still can experience, but I'm not so worked up over the outcome, especially if I've heard from God. If I feel like I've heard from God during that time of fasting, then it just gives me a lot more peace about moving forward because I know I can trust him. I, you know, I know that he's good. I know that he's all powerful. I know that he's omniscient. And so it it takes away a lot of that anxiety that I had going into the fast. Yeah, I think maybe a good example that can illustrate this, John, is when our pastoral team uh, last year, I think it was, or earlier this year, our pastoral team was praying about selling a piece of property that we have so that we could have the funds to purchase another property. And it just wasn't happening. And we finally decided as a pastoral team, and even we communicated to our campuses, to our churches. Hey, we want to call a fast. 
we want all of us to fast. So the pastoral team was, the churches were, and I remember being, it was in our staff meeting. We were, we were spending some time in prayer. We had, we had been fasting together and our executive pastor gets a phone call, steps out of the room, comes back in the room. And after the prayer time announces to us that, that he, that we had an offer on the land. And I remember just the excitement and the, the joy and the, I, I mean, I still just remember the, the feeling that we all had, how emotional that was for all of us. But the crazy thing is, <laughs> and John, maybe you can explain this biblically, what, two months, two weeks, two months, sometime later, the offer fell through. So the question is then, okay, well, were, were we do what, like what happened there? Did the fast fail? How would you explain that? So I don't think the fast failed at all. Um, I do remember that moment. You know, I remember, I just remember the presence of the Spirit in the room. I remember how, yeah, how in awe we were that literally as we were praying for this offer, the phone call came in with the offer. I mean, I, I remember many tears around that table. And then as you mentioned, ultimately that offer fell through. I, that doesn't make God any less faithful. God just chose to answer that prayer in a different way. In fact, I think it was so just so gracious of God to say, hey, I hear you, and I want you to know that I hear you, so that's, that's why this offer came through. Like, I want you to know that your prayers matter. I want you to know that you can, you can bring those to me. I want you to know that I hear you, but I've got a better plan. And I think all of us, you know, we're not perfect, man. We are broken. We, we fall short all the time. But I think all of us in that room, we're at a place in our relationship with God that when God says, hey, I've got a different plan, we're okay with that. You know, we're okay with that. We're like, okay, God, I, we, we don't understand it yet, but we're, we're okay. We know we can trust you in the plan. So to me, it, it was almost cooler, <laughs> if I can use that, you know, that language, that, that, that it didn't come through exactly like we wanted because we had this particular prayer. This is what we thought was going to happen. We were lifting it up to God, and it just felt like the way that offer came in, God was saying, hey, guys, I want you to know that I hear you. I want you to know that I'm I'm grateful that you come to me with your prayers, that I invite you to do that, but I've got a better plan. And and we're still waiting to see exactly how that's going to unfold, right, Brandon? I mean, there, there are other offers in now and other things that are happening with that. We're, we're still not done with it, so to speak, but but we know God has a plan in it. Well, that's our third breakthrough discipline, John, the discipline of fasting. So again, I challenge our listeners, you know, as you're talking about this with your with your men's group, with your maybe dads, you're talking about this with your son, fathers and sons. Maybe say, "Hey, let's fast together. Let's let's do this. Let's do this. Let's learn this discipline together." Man, it's a lost discipline, but Jesus commanded it. It teaches us dependence on God, and uh, it really will lead to breakthrough in your life. So, I encourage you to, if you've never done it, to try to fast, to do it, and see what God will teach you through it. Hey, listeners, thanks so much for joining us on today's podcast. Be sure to join us next time as we talk about the spiritual discipline of pacing, one that you probably haven't heard of, but can bring you victory and breakthrough in this fast-paced world that we live in.